0: Boy, I'm so excited today. Uh, You've made a wise choice, and congratulations on your new pastor. Uh, I just think the best days are immediately ahead for this church. Um, Pastor Dwight, I was talking with him. uh, I mentioned to some earlier. I was talking with him this week to congratulate him. And, you know, he has a proven ministry. He's a worshiper. He carries an anointing. And he's a real pastor. He will love his people, and he's all excited, and so is his family. His sons are excited to get here, and so we need to pray that God will open a door where they can rent an apartment or a condo, and uh, I just know God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen? So keep your eyes and ears open, and if you hear of anything, let us know. And uh, we'll just believe God to open a way where there seems to be no way. But that's the kind of God we serve, right? And uh, when he's calling, he'll, he'll go before us and, and make the way. And so I just believe the best days are right ahead. And uh, so in the interim time, I really feel led to speak for the next few weeks out of the book of Joshua. And uh, the reasoning of that was because Moses, he was done, and Joshua was about to begin. And uh, that caught my attention, and not that I'm dead, but I'm done, okay? And, uh, but anyway, uh, I want to I turn today to Joshua chapter 1 and talk about facing the future with a bold, confident faith. Um, Facing the life's challenge. So facing the future with a bold, confident faith. And our theme over the next few weeks will be taking hold of tomorrow. We need to step up and stand up and speak up and take hold and find our part in the work of the Lord. So uh, Joshua was a great leader. And uh, so we read of of him in Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my, sis, my, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the West. That would be the Mediterranean. And no one will be able to stand against you all your days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers, that would be Abraham, the covenant, and to give this land to them. Be strong, therefore, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written therein. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And everyone said, Amen. Now Joshua was a great leader. I mean, he faced insurmountable odds, and he uh, had battle after battle, and he didn't quit. He was a great leader, one of the greatest leaders ever recorded in history. But he had a problem. He he lacked confidence. He was discouraged. And you wonder, God had to give him a pep talk in chapter 1. Now, I I don't know if God talked to him face-to-face, but he obviously talked to him. And you have to understand, Joshua was Moses' assistant for all these years of of Moses' leadership. And when Moses, you read of of it, when he went to the tent of meeting to talk to God face-to-face, the Shekinah glory would come. But Joshua was there. He would be in the tent in the background and he would be aware of all that would be taking place and so he felt comfortable being moses assistant but the day came and if you read in numbers 27 verse 18 the day came when moses was told listen i'm not going to let you into the land of promise because you lost your temper too many times tapley's translation He said, but I'll I'll let you go up to Mount Pisgah and have a look. But what I want you to do in Numbers 27, 18, I want you to before all of Israel to bring Joshua to you and you lay hands on him and you transfer your leadership to him that they would know that my blessing is on Joshua. So Moses did that. And then he went to have a look at the promised land. And he never came back. They couldn't find his body. But they mourned for Moses for 40 days. Now, the only thing I can think of about the number of 40 days is that that's long enough. You know, 40 days and 40 nights, it was going to rain. That was long enough. 40 years in the wilderness, that was long enough. 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And after 40 days of mourning Moses' death, God said, Now Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And he needed some encouragement. And he wonder Why would Joshua be discouraged? I'll give you two good reasons. He had to follow Moses. That'd be quite an act to follow. In fact, the last verse in Deuteronomy, the book just before Joshua, it says, Since then, no prophet has risen in all of Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. Now imagine that. It's mentioned over and over these miracles, he pronounced curse upon all of the different gods. Every every plague that God sent against Israel was designed against their gods that they worshipped to let them know he's the Lord, he's God. And it says that no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in all the sight of Israel. Now, how would you like to follow an act like that? It's only natural that Joshua would feel intimidated. And so he was he was really just feeling inadequate and unqualified. And the other reason was the enormous task God called him to do. Think of it. God says, "Now I want you, Joshua. Yes, you." Calls him by name. He speaks to him. I want you and to take all of these people over into the land that I'm promised. Your forefathers, Abraham. Remember that covenant. That even in Abraham's time, he allowed Abraham to walk through the land. The boundaries that that God describes here to Joshua. And he said, I'm going to give that to you. And, you know, so after Joshua, after Abraham, there was Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and a famine, and then they were forced to go into Egypt. And, of course, you know the story how Joseph was sent ahead of time, and, and he was there to preserve. And in God's timing, they came out of Egypt into the land of promise. And Moses led them out, and they came to the edge to go into Canaan. And there were 12 spies sent out. Ten of them said, we can't do it. We're grasshoppers in their sight. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, we are more than able to go up and take the country. But the majority ruled. And that just proves the majority's not always right. How many remember any of the names of the 10 that said you can't do it? And who cares? (laughs) You know, but we remember Joshua and Caleb. So Joshua had a track record. But here at this point, feeling the responsibility of leadership that he, he so depended upon with Moses, Now God says, it's your turn. And he starts by saying the obvious, but he said it to him. Moses is dead. Now, why would God say that? I mean, they mourned for him for 40 days. and, And it was obvious he's not here anymore. But what God was saying was, Joshua, what Moses has done is done. He's finished, he's completed what I've asked him to do. And by hearing that from God, it somehow reassured him, God knows where I am, (laughs) he knows what I'm facing. And he said this, and as I was with Moses, and he would reflect back on all those years of his leadership. So, I will be with you. And that's the promise that God gave to him. And so he became discouraged and he needed some encouragement and God spoke into his life. I want you to know that each one of us here today, we too have a calling. We are called according to God's purpose. And God has a purpose for us being here at this appointed time and we need to stand up to the plate and say here am i lord use me and as we make ourselves available god will speak into our hearts now i can read some hearts here today saying, well you know i've done my part i'm pushing 80 and uh, you know let the next generation do it now if god was finished with you you wouldn't be here it's plain and simple. But the fact that you're here, you have a role to play. And some say, Well, I'm too young. I don't have any experience. No, don't write yourself off. Be an example of the believer and step up to the plate and say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. So when we face an insurmountable problem, or challenge of responsibility and there will be challenges in the days ahead but God has all of that included in his plan for this church and you're part of it and he has purpose for each one of us so we need to say well Lord what are my giftings what am I good at what how can you use me Remember Nehemiah I can digress here a bit but Nehemiah it looked absolutely impossible but he came along and he had administrative gifts and jerusalem was in ruin the wall was torn down and the gates and they were a reproach to the whole people but he came along and he assessed the situation and then he saved Parts of the, the wall that were good and threw out the rubbish. And he, he came along and he said, Now, listen, John, you and your family, can you look after this part of the wall? Well, I could do that much. Okay. Werner, now, can you and Heidi come alongside John and do this much of the wall? Yeah. Ray, and, and, and like, what, can you, can you do it? Fern, can you do your part? All of us have a part to play. And if we stand up to the plate and say, I can't do everything, but what I can do by the grace of God, I will do. Do I hear an amen? We need to be aware of what God is up to in these days. So God gave Joshua a a pep talk. He encouraged him. And he wants to encourage us today. In fact, you know, we often think in Ephesians 2 where it says uh, it's not by works but by grace through faith that we're saved. But it goes on beyond there. That's salvation. It's what the work that Jesus did on the cross. But it goes on from there. But now that we're part of God's family born of his spirit God has placed in you and in me different giftings that he has planned in advance for us to fulfill his purpose in our lives and so he want he has gifted you and i can honestly say with the authority of god's word god has deposited giftings in each and every one of you that is necessary to work together to see what God can do through ordinary people. When you look through scripture, the very first thing he told Joshua, don't be afraid, I'm with you. You look all the way down. Everybody experienced fear. When Jesus showed up, they thought he was a ghost walking on water. He said, don't be afraid, it's me. (laughs) Um, And and when he showed himself alive with many infallible, I'm not a ghost here. Thomas, put your finger here. Don't be afraid. It's normal that when we come up to a new era, a new challenge, we can feel perhaps intimidated and shy back, think, I know God wants to use me, but I'm going to wait and see what somebody else does. No. We need to realize God wants to use each one of us. He doesn't want you to do the whole thing, but you have a vital part to play. And so you have to... Just make yourself available to him. And so he gave three or four promises to Joshua that are applicable for us in this season. When we make ourselves available to be used of God, these things were written for our example, for our encouragement. In 1 Corinthians 10 it says, these things are recorded for our encouragement, that we might have hope. So the same God that led Joshua into the promised land is the same God that is here today. And he said, I'm going to use you if you make yourself available. And so don't be afraid, but be faithful. So where do we find the courage to stand up to the plate? True courage comes from God alone. He can't lie. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to deceive Joshua and say, you know, he said, no, I prom- what I promised Abraham, your forefathers, I made a covenant. When I make a covenant, and when I make a promise, I keep it. And, it, you know, the whole route they came. And then he says, and yes, and as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And as I was with Joshua, so I'll be with you. I'm the same God. I'm omnipresent. And I know where you live. I know the plans I have for this church. And I know the giftings I've put within you. But he's looking for those who will step out of the shadows and say, Okay, I'm not going to be intimidated by comparing myself with someone else. That's what leads to discouragement. Be who God made you to be. There's only one you. We don't want any reasonable facsimile. We, God, you know, we all have a different personality and different giftings, and they're all unique. So you're one out of six-plus billion people in the world. So we don't want just a copycat. We want you to be an original. Remember Winston Churchill, Laurie? Okay, well, anyway, so that's another story. (laughs) But we need to be the originals. Be who God made you to be. Everything in your life, God will use to help others. Those things that we have gone through, it says that we can comfort or encourage one another because we can say, you know what? Think of young couples that will be coming, and I believe they'll come. Young people, they they need to have spiritual moms and dads to encourage them. Can you imagine raising a family in this hour? How challenging, how difficult, how confusing it is. You have a responsibility and a privilege of speaking stability and encouragement and affirmation into their lives. You can tell faith stories of how God supplied your need when you didn't know how that was going to work. How God has been faithful to you. And what he's been to you, he'll be to them. And so I want you to look at three or four of the promises that God will give to us as he gave to Joshua as we make ourselves available to him. He promises us as we say, Lord, I want to be used by you, his strength. In verse 5 it says, no one will be able to stand before you. (laughs) Imagine that. They won't be able to stand their ground against you. Yeah, there's enemies out there. Yes, there's giants in the land. Yes, there's walled cities. But God said, legally, it's all yours. I've already promised that. It's a promise and I'll keep it. But experimentally, they had to cross over. They had to go in and fight the giants and the walled city. And we'll look at some of that in the days to come. It's like Bill Gates could give you a bank note with his signature and everything for a million dollars. But it isn't until you take it to the banker and cash it in that you get the real deal. It's legal, but you've got to cash it. That's how it works in the Christian life. Legally, everybody can be saved. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. There'll be no one on judgment day to stand before God and said, God, it isn't fair. No, I died for you as much as I died for anyone. So legally, in that uh, technical word, we can all be saved. But it doesn't happen until we personally commit our life to him and believe on the lord jesus christ that's when his presence comes into us and so it is in the promise of god has to use us in this coming new year for this church he promises his strength he says no one will be able to stand against you and i'll give you every place where you set your foot as i promised moses so He said, he promised us his strength and he, he will give us the power. If he calls us to do something, he will enable us to do it. He knows the giftings that are in us. And as we say, well, Lord, what I have, I give to you. He will take it. He will bless it. He will multiply it. And you'll be amazed what God can do through ordinary people like you. In Corinthians, it says, see your calling, brethren not many wise, not many noble, but God uses ordinary people so that the glory goes to him, that they'll realize only God could pull that off. And we say, yeah, that's for sure. It isn't me, but it's his enabling grace. Amen? That's what it is. So he promises us his strength. He promises us his, his, uh, his, his support think of that his presence for the lord your god is with you wherever you go verse nine think of that all we need to know is god is with us and he's for us and he's working in us and so we need to realize the promise of his strength i will give you strength i will enable you i will anoint you i will empower you And not only that, I will be with you. And when you realize you need no one else but God, when everything else is gone, you can depend on this one, that one, and they'll let you down. But God will never fail. He will always be with us. Remember the parting words of Jesus? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the age. And we're nearing the ends of the age. But I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm in you. I'm with you. I'm for you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You will be the head, not the tail. You'll be an overcomer. You can't be an overcomer unless there's a battle to face and victories to win. We're going to slay giants. We're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see strongholds broken. We're going to see the power of God manifest and people will come. Anytime you see a fire, I always like to go and see fire. And when we get on fire, the whole town will come (coughs) and watch us burn. Not burn up, but burn for them. I'm glad you're listening. (laughs) And so great and mighty things are ahead of us. God cannot lie. He made a vow. He made a promise. And his promise still stands today. What began then is continuing today. I will build my church. Who's the builder? Jesus. Whose church is it? Not ours. It's his. There's only one church in town, and we're part of it. He looks on the heart. But he's looking for ordinary people like you and me, that the glory be given to him. And we say it's God's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the best days are yet ahead. He promises his strength. He promises his presence, his support. But here's the most valuable thing. Do you realize there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible? And every promise in the book is mine. Every jot, every, what does it say? Every, Every chapter, every verse, every line. But it's true, isn't it? So I want to leave you with this. Because he not only made promises, but with the instruction. Look at it. In verse 8. This is what he says. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. How often? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in, the, in it. And then you'll be prosperous and successful. I not commanded you. I'm with you. I'm for you. But in order for these promises of his support, his direction, his wisdom, his empowerment, The only way you can really lay hold of that is to meditate in his word. His word is his voice. And you need to become saturated with his word to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You need to find a promise and meditate on it. Read it. Read this book to see what it says. But then study it. To know what it means and then most importantly appropriate it apply it that you will experience its power there's no other book that can feed your spirit being we can't live by materialism alone but by every spoken word how does god speak when we take time to come aside and spend time with him in his word. Having no grocery list, there's a difference between a prayer list and waiting. But when you wait in the presence of God, everything else dissipates. And you say, Lord, I just want to hang out with you. And if there's anything you want to speak into my life, if you tell me to turn left, I'll turn left you tell me to stand still I'll stand still but speak to me Lord that I might speak and he will and so to appropriate the promises of God he says you need to meditate in this book there's no other source that will feed your spirit that will instill faith faith comes by hearing the word of God Joshua heard the voice of God. God, I think, had to speak to him audibly because the enormous assignment he was giving him. But faith comes by hearing the voice of God. This is the voice of God. It's tried to have been destroyed, burned, and destroyed, and obliterated from off the face of the earth, but it's still here with us. Martyrs laid down their lives for the defense of this word. I was moved upon when I saw on the news refugees coming from Afghanistan being free from the Taliban into Pearson Airport. A father looking at his daughter coming with their grandchildren and hugging them. Couldn't believe we're finally here, free. Another young lady in her early 20s said, I can go to church and she wept and walked away there's so many needs out there so many fears and so many hungers god says i want to use you i want to speak to you i will empower you i will guide you but you need to hear from me and just like at the wedding of cana We need, when we're saying, when we're asking God, speak to us, we need to come with the prerequisite saying, and Lord, just ahead of time, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Remember, Mary said, whatever he says, do it. So the guys went and got the water jugs, filled them up to the brim. By the time they got to the front head table, it had turned into wine. I remember hearing a guy pulled over for a speeding ticket, he said, You've been drinking? He said, No, that's water. He said, It's wine. Oh, he did it again, he said, You know, but anyway. <laughs> but, but all I'm saying is, God has good things in store for you, and you are here on purpose. One man on his own can't do it. But as you follow his leadership, as he listens to God, and as you say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Ask him, and he'll tell you. And when he tells you what to do, say, Lord, I'll do it. We all experience fear, and you have three options. You can run from it. You can live with it, or you can face it with a confident, bold faith. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And When you begin to prove God and the momentum comes, I'll tell you, be as bold as a lion, and nothing will stop you. No weapon formed against you will succeed. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, Lord, today we ask, and let this be a prayer. What do you want me to do? What are you asking me individually? Speak to me. Help us to hear your voice. Lord, I believe you're already stirring giftings in hearts of people in this congregation. But it's going to take every one of us, because we're family. We need each other. We depend on you, but you've called us for such an hour as this. So Lord, speak into each heart and show us the next steps in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So no one is insignificant. Let me close off with this illustration. It says that we're part of the body of Christ. The eye, because it can't smell, doesn't say, well, I'm I'm not really useful. Or the nose, because it can't see, doesn't say, well, we all have a different function. But we're all in this together. So I want to tell you the story about the Finger family. God was overhearing their conversation one day and they were, like the disciples, discussing who's the most important in the family. Well, Mr. Thumb said, listen, when you get a flat tire on the 401 and if I stick my thumb out, that great big, what is it, 15-wheeler will pull over or 16-wheeler, whatever, and comes to a halt, hey, buddy, can I help you? So I'm pretty important. Well, I don't want to disagree, pointer finger says. But when I want to make a point and when I want to get something across to people, I just put my finger under their nose and say, sit up and listen. And they do. Well, the next fellow says, well, I don't know if you noticed or not, I know you're wondering what this guy's going to say. But if you notice, I'm head and shoulders over everybody else. So by my position in the body and by my stature, I'm the most important. Well, I don't want to disagree, but I have to, Mr. Ringfinger said history proves i bear the precious ring of gold the signet ring of kings and queens and emperors over the years and when legal documents had to have an insignia dipped in wax and sealed god chose me i'm the most important well, Baby Finger said, <clears throat> I've been listening to you all. And, but I have the Bible backing me up. I don't know about you, but the Bible says the least among you is the greatest. And just then, God steps in and he says, um, So I've been listening to your conversation and, um, I just want you to say, Mr. Thumb, can you pick up this hymnal? No. Pointer finger? No. No, all the way down. But it says they all worked together. They accomplished what God has instilled in each and every one of us.